to the Leadership Matters podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. My name is Jeremy, and I'll be your host. Welcome to the second episode of the Leadership Matters podcast. This episode is entitled Discontent. I want to start by sharing a, a hobby that I have. I, I'm not sure about you if you like pop or not. I'm not a huge pop drinker. But one pop I really do desire, I really do enjoy, is, is the taste of root beer. Now, as a kid, I think that's originally where, where my desire and my love for root beer grew as a, as a, as a young boy growing up. And, uh, but, but in recent years, as, a, as an adult and uh, stepping into adulthood, there, there's been this discontent with mainstream root beer. I mean, it's just too sweet, and I, I don't like super, super sweet things anymore. And, and so from time to time, I'll, I'll treat myself and, and buy a bottled root beer, a little more expensive. Um, and, and over the course of the past couple years, um, I have actually been on this quest. It's this little side hobby I have that I do get mocked uh, for time, from time to time uh, by different people, and that's okay. Um, but I, I'm on this quest for the ultimate root beer. And I'm not talking mainstream. I'm not talking your hires, your a your 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 Barks. Um, I'm, I'm on this, this quest for the ultimate root beer, bottled root beer. And I actually found this store. I heard about this store a couple years ago in, in Whitby, Ontario. It's called Soda Pop Central. And the first time I visited there, it was like stepping into this um, this dream space for, for, for root beer. There are actually over 150 different brewed root beers in the store that they, they actually um, ship in from all parts of the world. Uh, I'm talking Australia, I'm talking different continents even, uh, that they, they ship this root beer into the store. And so some of them are middle priced, uh, others are very high end. You know, you pay $4 for one bottle of root beer, which is pretty expensive, but they have to pay shipping costs to get it there. Anyways, I share all that to say uh, I've started this little this little hobby on the side where anytime I, I travel west and visit with a leader or a pastor, from time to time I'll, I'll make a little pit stop there at Soda Pop Central in Whitby, and uh, I'll get six new root beers, uh, just the case, a uh, half pack of, of root beers, and I'll walk out, and usually I'll, I'll try one per week. And uh, I started this spreadsheet on my computer. I know this is really nerdy. I'm letting you into my, my personal space, okay? Um, but I've started, I've started this, little, uh, this little spreadsheet where I actually rate the root beers on five different components that they have. And I'm not going to go through those and what those are because then you're really going to think I'm a huge nerd, um, which is fine with me. There ain't no shame in my game. It's, it's fun. It's, it's a, a ra- relaxing thing for me, and I enjoy the taste. And so... I'll, I'll try a different one out each week, and then I'll rate it on the different areas. And I, I still have, have not found the perfect root beer because I'm never content because I know there's more in that store. There's more in the world. And so why would I ever be content, even if it's rated high? And the highest you could be is a, is a five on my rating system. Um, and I've got a couple three and a halfs. So I've got a, even a couple rare fours, actually. And, and my son, it's funny because my kids like to try it. I'll give them a little sip. They can't have the whole bottle because this is my hobby, not theirs. And, and so they'll try it and, and, and sometimes they'll like it. Other times it'll be absolutely disgusting. And, and from time to time, my son will ask me, he's like, so dad, is that is that the best? And uh and I'll say, you know, well, it might be the best I've tasted yet, but I'm still not content that it is the best because I know there's others out there. I, I'm never satisfied. 
And this, this hobby all started with the discontent for mainstream in the first place. You see, I, I actually believe um, that there are many positive uh, factors that can come out of this, this constant, consistent state of discontent, especially as leaders. Obviously, I'm not here to talk to you about root beer today in this second episode. But I do want to talk to you about another leadership principle that, that can help us as leaders. You see, too many times, I believe as leaders, we sacrifice great on the altar of what is good. And more times than not, it's, it's the result is, comes because we, we, we get to this state of, of being content with the way things are, which I don't believe we should ever be uh, as leaders. We, we need to be living in this constant state of discontent with the way things are. Never okay with status quo, especially as leaders. I think too often we buy into the lie, the cliche that says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, why would you touch something that's actually working quite well? And the result of that is, is that we actually stop leading. You see, the moment we become content with the way things are, we actually put a lid on innovation as leaders. We actually put a lid on our leadership. And, and more so than that, we, we not only stop leading, we actually go into managing. See, I don't know if you realize this or not, but there's a big difference between leading and managing. And if you ask me, many involved in church leadership positions today are, are not actually leading, but just managing. And as a result, in, in, in many of our churches today, we, ha we have more managers in leadership positions than we actually do leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. There's, there's nothing wrong with, with managers. We need managers in, in leadership positions. Uh, we need good managers. And, and some of our church leaders are good managers. But they should never be confused with, with, with a leader. Because a leader actually takes things to the next level. That's what leaders do. Whereas managers, they take what's current, what's existing, and they manage it well. They keep it going. However, leaders should never be content with the way things are. And here's kind of the bottom line of where I want to take this thing today. And if you'll allow me to unpack this for the next few moments, here's, here's kind of the bottom line. It's this. Nothing ever becomes great until there is first a discontent with what is good. Nothing ever becomes great until there's first a discontent with what is currently called good. Let me take this back to scripture, if you will, for just a second. If you're a business leader and, and don't have a faith in God, just bear with me for a second, because uh, I think we could still learn from, from this book in the Bible called Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And Nehemiah is this great book with all kinds of leadership and vision principles for, for, for casting vision and, and, and for leading well, even despite persecution and ridicule and, and setbacks and discouragement. We can learn so much from the book of Nehemiah. And, and right there in chapter 1, the book of Nehemiah begins with, with Nehemiah hearing this report of the current state of things back in his hometown in Jerusalem. And, and out of that, out of hearing this, his heart is kind of broken for this. He's gripped with this. And out of this, there is this discontent that rises up in the heart of this dude named Nehemiah. And not just a, a discontent in his heart, but he's actually moved so much, he had to do something about it. He had to do something to make things better. And so he gets permission from his boss to take this leave from his current position. And he goes back to, to his to to the city of Jerusalem, his hometown, and he, and he begins this quest to make it better, 
to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, put the walls back up and, and bring it to a, to a better state than it currently was. Now, what an incredible model to live by as leaders, that whatever we touch as leaders, we would strive to not just be okay with the current state of things, but to actually be on this constant quest to make things better, make it better, to continually be on the journey from good to great, from taking things that are that are merely good to, to take them to, to a state of, of greatness, which I believe God has called us all to do as, as leaders, especially as spiritual leaders. Now, I, I realize that Nehemiah, that things weren't even currently good. He wasn't able to even call them currently. Like, they were desperate. And I, and I realize that desperation is all, always a catalyst for change. And, and so oftentimes when things are broken and busted, it's easy to see, to see what it could be. It's easy to bring change to those situations. But what about things in your scope of leadership that, are, that, that others would say, hey, that's pretty good? Should we ever get to a, to a state of being okay with things being just good? I don't believe we should as leaders. Uh, again, I go back to the leader versus manager. Uh, I believe this is when we actually stop leading, when we're okay with the state of, uh, of the way things are. And uh, so, so, so how do we do this? Uh, we talk about this a little more and move on to, to the how. how. How do we ensure that we're not slipping from leadership to management? How do we do that as leaders? Well, I believe one of the ways we do that is by never stopping to evaluate. We should be on this constant quest of, of evaluation as leaders. And the moment we stop evaluating it is the moment we become content with the way things are. Now, evaluation is twofold. We, we need to be evaluating ourselves as leaders, assessing us as as the leaders, but we also need to be constantly evaluating the areas that we lead. We should be evaluating everything that we do, everything we put our hands to. Uh, things that asking questions like like why do we do this in the first place? We are uh, we are on this this quest. I am on this quest personally in, in the position I hold here at district office. And uh, when I started this, this, this journey about a year and a half ago, uh, becoming the Specialized Ministries Director and Youth Director here at Eastern Ontario District, uh, I started evaluating every single event that we did and, and whether or not it lined up with the vision of, of this office. And the vision is to equip, care, and serve. And so I started listing all of our events that we currently did and uh, and, and trying to fit them under those headings, one of those three strategic priorities, whether it being equipping, caring, or serving. And, uh, and, and for me, I, one of the areas that, that just didn't seem to fit under any of those three was, was, was camp, the way we currently did it. Now, I'm all for camp. I love camp and, and the experiences that, that, that people, I've had incredible experiences at camp. Um, but it just didn't seem to align with the vision and the mandate of, of this district office, especially in the role of youth ministries. And, and so one of the changes we are proposing to bring this summer is, is a change at OV Youth Camp and, and try, try a different model. Uh, could we make this better? Because right now, to be honest, camp is good. Youth camp is good. People's lives are touched. Individuals get uh, encounter encounter God in real ways, and, and young people have experiences that that they will never forget. 
But I just believe we could be doing this in a better way and, and, and with, with discipleship in place and follow-up taking place with, with students would come with their youth ministries and have these experiences together and, and there would be consistent follow-up long after camp is done. So it wouldn't just be a, this one week where they encounter God and then they go back to living the way they were currently living before they got to camp, but there would be this follow-up mechanism in place. Uh, where they would come as a group, just as they do for our junior high and senior high conventions. And so we're proposing these changes. Now, I, I say all that, and I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of those changes. You can visit our website, eodyouthchannel.com, if you want to know more about those changes coming this summer. Um, but I share all that to say this all came because I was not content with the way things are. Even though things were good, and many would look at OVPC's youth camp and say, hey, that's a good camp. Why would you mess with that? And people, some people are beginning to ask that question. Uh, I'll tell you why we're messing with that. Because I'm not content with just good. I'm not content with sacrificing great on the altar of what some would call good. I am constantly in a state of discontent with the areas that I'm called to lead because I believe that that's what we're all called to as leaders. I don't want to become just a manager of these events. I want to be constantly looking at them and seeing how could we better effectively serve, care, or equip the leaders or the local churches that we're called to lead from this district office. And so because of that, we're constantly evaluating everything that we do. Now, evaluation, there are all sorts of evaluation tools out there to do this. And if you Google evaluation or assessment or, uh, you know, self-help or any of those, those topics, all sorts of things will pop up. But one of, the, one of the evaluation tools you can find online that I like and have used over the years, and one of the reasons I like it is because it transcends many different leadership contexts. It even transcends business or church leadership. And so if you're a business, a small business owner or a business leader out there, this evaluation tool transcends even business leadership or church leadership. It works well in both. It's called SWOT, and it's an acronym that actually stands for Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And, and let me break it down real quickly, kind of kind of what it means. So for strengths, we'll start with that. So what you would do in the area that you're leading with, you, or, or the context of your leadership, you, you would take what you're leading, or your business, or your, your church ministry, or whatever you're giving leadership to, if you're a lead pastor, or a youth pastor, children's pastor, um, you would take those areas, and you would list your strengths. What do you do best? This is where you would ask these types of questions. What, what do we do best? As a church, as a business, what are we known for? What's our unique factor? What, what separates us from others that, that, are, that are leading in similar areas, in similar uh, leadership contexts? What separates us from, from, from our competitors if you're in, in business leadership? What do we do best? What are we known for? If you were to take us away and we were to, to uh, close up shop tomorrow, what would people miss most about us? That's, that's kind of your unique factor. So list your strengths. Figure out what do you do really, really well. What do other people view you as doing? What do, what do they know you for? You doing well. And then come to weaknesses. This is where you evaluate your weaknesses. What could you improve on? Um, what should what should be some things, some areas that you avoid because they're just not your strengths? And so what should you avoid altogether? Uh, what would others see as your weaknesses? And so for some of these, it's good to get outside perspective as well, not to just answer these questions yourselves, but, but actually survey other people and get them to evaluate your, your weaknesses. What would they list as some of your weaknesses? Then you move down to opportunities. 
And, and this this is where you kind of spot the potential opportunities uh, down the, down the line. What could be some opportunities that you could actually capitalize on? What what are some trends that you're aware of that you could that you could use to your advantage? Let me give you an example. So for me personally, uh, not in this leadership context of my 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 role here at district, but for for me leading my own personal life, um, a few years ago, this is um, I was evaluating. Uh, we we feel called to live our lives on mission as as followers of, of Jesus. And so um, I, I was, now you might have your own perspective and opinion about Halloween, but I, I believe, you know, it's a night we could capitalize on and it's one one day out of the calendar year where I have people without invitation coming to my house that don't know Jesus yet. And so I just choose to light up that night and use it to 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 our advantage and to uh, to building the kingdom of God to the advantage of that and so we 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 choose to to hand out candy and to light up our home and and so a few years back I was handing out candy and I was noticing kids were coming to the door but parents were hanging out on the on the sidewalk and Halloween's usually a cold night and so all these parents were hanging out and they're kind of shivering and I'd kind of wave at them trying to you know tear down the walls and and uh, and, and greet them and get to know them and I thought this is not working because half the parents aren't even coming to my door just the kids are so how could I capitalize on this uh, how could I not just see this as a negative but how could I use this to our advantage to actually be missional and live our lives on mission and so I thought and started thinking about that for the next few days after that Halloween had come and gone. And I thought, what if, what if next year I could meet them halfway? What if I could, I could actually set up and hand out candy in our driveway, which is closer to the sidewalk, and kind of remove that barrier a little bit and, and be a little closer to them where I could strike up conversation? And, and what if I could take it a step further? And because they're shivering, what parent wouldn't want a hot drink as they're taking their kids out for Halloween? And so I thought, what if I could hand out not just candy, but for the parents, I could have some some free coffee, some Starbucks or or, or whatever, and some, some hot chocolate, and, and I could offer that. So that's exactly what we did. We set out on that quest the next, the next Halloween, a year later, and I'm telling you, it was a hit. I mean, parents were now coming into my driveway. We had lineups uh, wanting this free coffee. We offered it free of charge. My wife was out taking our kids door to door, and she was three or four blocks away, and, and parents were starting to 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 talk about this and she overheard conversations happening hey you should check out this home uh, a few blocks in that direction they're handing out free starbucks to parents and, and and hot chocolate and it was a massive success and so as a result we've done that ever since now i share all that and, and it spread social media took off and many people are now doing this today in all different cities and and uh in towns across Canada uh, because we've started sharing the story and the success of this. Now I'm telling you that all happened because I evaluated uh, kind of this SWAT thing in my head uh, of handing out candy on a Halloween. It all became of some evaluation where I began to ask some questions on how could I do this better because there was this desire there to actually do it better and actually do it with intention and, and purpose behind it. And that's how it all came to be. So that's the opportunities segment of evaluation. And then you move down to the final one, which is threats. And this is where you ask questions like, what obstacles are you currently facing? What are your competitors doing? If you're in small business leadership or business leadership, uh, what are they doing and doing what could threaten your business and you moving to the next level? 
What do you what do you need to change technology wise that could threaten you if you don't stay relevant? Because technology is is changing, and this is something we need to pay attention to, not just in business leadership, but also in church leadership. And so, what are what threats are are, are there that could be posed? And what of your current weaknesses could threaten your your future if you don't pay attention to those? And so you don't you don't have to use SWAT. It's not the be all and the end all. But I'll, I just wanted to list something because you need to be using something. If you don't currently have a mechanism for evaluation or process in place, then start somewhere. Start asking some good questions today because that's the way that we ensure that we're constantly never okay with status quo. We're never okay with the current state of things. We're always tweaking, always adjusting to, to make things better, to take things from, from good to great. Now, I have a, a friend here in Peterborough who, who I've gotten to know over the past six months since he opened a small business. It's called Caffeina, and it's it's about coffee. And it's not just good coffee. It's great coffee. But there's a reason for that because my friend who, who owns this business, what I've noticed him do from the time he has opened up shop here in Peterborough, Ontario, he has been constantly in this state of tweaking, adjusting, and changing things. And, and some may, may find that frustrating um, be, because you, you never know what you're going to get. But I actually love it because he's never okay. He's never content with just good. He's constantly on this journey of adjusting and tweaking and changing things up because he, because he really does desire to offer great coffee, not just good coffee. And I love that about him. The, the last time we were in there, we were, we were just having a small conversation. My wife was asking what he was brewing today, and it was something different again. And he said, but I'm going to be changing next week. And, and, and I turned to her and I said, you know, that's what makes this place great is because he's never content. He's never okay. And, you know, to be honest, I believe this is which one of the, one of the attributes that actually makes him, sets him apart and makes him one of the great leaders uh, in his market and one of the great innovators of coffee here in Peterborough is because he's never content with just good coffee. He's on this quest for greatness. And I love that about him. And, and because remember, um, the moment you stop evaluating is the moment you have become content yourself. And, and this is the moment that you stop leading and you go into managing. And uh, I, I want to encourage you today as leaders, wherever you find yourself, church leadership, lead pastoring, youth pastoring, children's pastor, associate, whatever role, maybe you're a business owner or a business leader today, whatever role you fulfill today, uh, I want to challenge you to never be okay with the way things are, to be on this constant quest for greatness. Um, because I believe that's what God's called us all to. And remember, nothing ever becomes great until there is a discontent with what is good. So go, as you go about your day today, this week, this month, this year, go make something better today. It's what we're all called to as leaders. Thank you for, for taking the time to tune in to this second episode of Leadership Matters Podcast. I really do hope and believe that it will be an encouragement to you and a challenge to you, whatever you need it to be. Take care. We will see you on our next episode. Until then, peace on your mind.